The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. We greet you once again here in the nave of Marsh Chapel as we transpose the Feast of St. Thomas from this past Thursday to today. We greet you whether you are here present with us uh, at 735 Commonwealth Avenue, whether you are listening live over airwaves at WBUR 90.9 FM throughout New England, whether you are listening to internet signals at WBUR.org or listening later to the podcast at bu.edu chapel. My name is Brother Larry Whitney. I have the privilege of serving as University Chaplain for Community Life here at Marsh Chapel. Our Dean, the Reverend Dr. Robert Allen Hill, sends his condolences as he is away in these weeks and has left yours truly in the pulpit. He will be back later this summer, and we are grateful that you are here for this third installment of our National Summer Preacher Series on the Gospel and Emerging Adulthood. Welcome. Let us stand as we are able in the praise of God. Oh, my sweet little crown, 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 my sweet little crown,
Let us pray. Almighty and eternal God, who, for the firmer foundation of our faith, allowed your holy apostle Thomas to doubt the resurrection of Christ till word and sight convinced him, grant to us who have not seen that we also may believe and so confess Christ as our Savior and our God, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. A lesson from St. Paul's Epistle to the Ephesians, chapter 2, verses 19 through 22. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are citizens with the saints and also members of the household of God, built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are built together spiritually into a dwelling place for God. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in reading verses from Psalm 31 responsively with the antiphon.
O Lord, I seek refuge. Do not let me ever be put to shame in your righteousness. Deliver me. Incline your ear to me. Rescue me speedily. Be a rock of refuge for me, a strong fortress to save me. You are indeed my rock and my fortress. For your name's sake, lead me and guide me. Take me out of the net that is hidden for me, for you are my refuge. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. You hate those who pay regard to worthless idols, but I trust in the Lord. Please rise as you are able and sing together the Gloria Patri and hear the reading of the gospel. Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. John, chapter 20, verses 24 through 29. Glory to you, O Lord. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. Tis the gift to be simple, tis the gift to be free, tis the gift to come down where we ought to be. And when we find ourselves in the place just right, twill be in the valley of love and delight. When true simplicity is gained, to bow and to bend we shan't be ashamed. To turn, turn will be our delight, till by turning, turning we come round right. Wisdom. To live is to turn. This is the wisdom cultivated by the Shakers, from whom we receive the song, Simple Gifts. To live is to turn. Life is not lived in its fullness by rejecting the body for the spirit, but rather in turning, turning, body and spirit to God. To turn is such a simple thing. In fact, it begins in simplicity. It begins in clearing away our own strivings and yearnings and longings, 
Only then can we attend to and appreciate the goodness in the world around us that shows us, in turn, how to be good. To be sure, the chaff grows with the wheat, but the goodness is there. If we slow down and pause long enough to see it, if we turn toward it and turn ourselves in response. And yet, the gift of simplicity is so far from our late modern condition. Rather than clearing away our strivings, our yearnings, our longings to see what good might be found, we insist that our strivings, our yearnings, our longings are the good. Ideology rules the day. Awe, wonder, history, and mystery are pushed aside. Life becomes like the vacation from hell. Piled all into the car, the family sets out, bound for swimming and hiking and canoeing and bicycling and golf. Of course, in order to make the drive all in one day, there is no time to stop. There is no time to pull off and see the view over and down through the valley. To marvel that someone born and raised in such a small cabin could rise to the presidency of the United States, or to ponder the significance of the world's largest ball of string. In fact, the only stopping is to pump gas and take a quick bathroom break. Lunch is packed in a cooler and will be eaten in the car. The itinerary for the week is set, and it is a tight squeeze. Monday will be spent spent swimming and lying on the beach, Tuesday is mountain climbing, Wednesday is a canoe expedition, Thursday is a bike hike, Friday is golf. And if it should rain, well, it mustn't. Then back in the car for a day's drive home where the family passes out from exhaustion, needing a vacation from their vacation. For the present generation of emerging adults, simplicity is not even pretended as a virtue. Yea, does not even register. Having been raised on a steady diet of soccer practice, band rehearsal, dance lessons, community service hours, and scouting, on top of schoolwork, and chores when they were younger, and a part-time job as soon as they grow old enough for such not to be illegal, since they were five years old, or really four years old, and three years old for more than a few whose parents are particularly competitive, the linear life has been the norm for all that they have known of it. Life, that is. It is not even that soccer, band, dance, community service, scouting, school, chores, and work are understood to be goods in their own right, or even goods for the sake of developing a well-rounded person. No, the ethic is that we must be so overcommitted overworked, overbooked, and overwhelmed in order to get into college, get a job, get married, build a home, have children, and start the whole process all over again. Most recently, it is not even the case that many parents aspire for their children to get into a top-tier college and then get a high-powered job. That might be nice, but really, getting into any college at all would be an accomplishment, and getting a job that pays more than minimum wage would be enough of an achievement. Our imaginations, our hopes, our dreams about what life can be, should be, might be, are reduced to the aspiration to subsist. And we are paranoid that even in the wake of all that striving, we might not. What would it look like to turn? What would it look like to abandon the linear narrative, embrace simplicity, appreciate the world around us, apprehend the good inherent there, align our lives with the grain of the universe? What good news might there be for emerging adults to abandon this mindset? And what good news might there be from emerging adults for both subsequent generations and perhaps even their elders? 
To begin with, we need to grapple with the fact that emerging adults are doing just that. They are emerging. Most frequently, the concept of emerging adulthood is simply a category to describe 18 to 25-year-olds who are no longer adolescents, but whom we are not quite ready just yet to consider full-fledged adults. It may do us some good, however, to worry this concept just a bit, to introduce some nuance, some complexity, and to do so by meandering across Commonwealth Avenue and taking a stroll down Cummington Mall to pay a visit to our neighbors in the natural sciences. Emergence in the scientific community is a technical term for describing the process by which smaller, simpler things, when put together in the right relationships and under the right conditions, become bigger, more complex things. Except that the bigger, more complex things has properties that none of the smaller, simpler things had. This is to say that the full reality of the higher order thing could not have been predicted from an analysis of the lower order things that make it up. For example, the full reality of a human person with awareness, language, reason, complex emotional states, purpose, and many more qualities cannot be predicted from the cells, organs, and systems that make up human physiology. Furthermore, it is not merely that the higher order thing such as a human person, cannot be predicted simply due to a lack of fully understanding human physiology. Rather, the unpredictability is there in principle. Emergence denies the viability of a strict determinism. Emergence is a messy process. Putting things together in the same pattern in the same environment sometimes does not generate the emergent property. And sometimes it generates a different emerging property than the last time those things were put together in that pattern, in that environment. This is good news for emerging adults. The life that you are emerging from does not determine your life as a whole. Soccer plus band plus dance plus community service plus scouting plus school plus chores plus work does not equal your life. There is freedom to become more than the sum of your parts. You are not destined to become a doctor or a lawyer or a concert pianist simply because your parents put you on what they thought was the track to becoming such. Just ask Cordaro Rodriguez. He graduated from the Boston University School of Law, passed the bar, and gave up on the challenging legal market to pursue his passion for music with three other BU alumni in Sons of Serendip, a band that is competing this season on America's Got Talent. Emergence is a turning from the limits of what must be to the power and potential of what yet can become. Just as emerging adults are emerging, so too they are developing in Christ Jesus, the whole structure of the household of God is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Emerging adults are growing, are changing, are developing. What John Henry Newman said about the development of ideas may just as well apply to the development of persons. But whatever be the risk of corruption from intercourse with the world around, such a risk must be encountered if a great idea or person is duly to be understood, and much more if it is to be fully exhibited. It is elicited and expanded by trial and battles into perfection and supremacy. Nor does it escape the collision of opinion even in its earlier years, nor does it remain truer to itself and with a better claim to be considered one and the same, though externally protected from vicissitude and change. It is indeed sometimes said that the stream is clearest near the spring. Whatever use may fairly be said of this image, it does not apply to the history of philosophy or belief or person, which on the contrary is more equable and purer and stronger, 
when its bed has become deep, broad, and full. It necessarily rises out of an existing state of things and for a time savors of the soil. Its vital element needs disengaging from what is foreign and temporary and is employed in efforts after freedom, which become more vigorous and hopeful as its years increase. Its beginnings are no measure of its capacities, nor of its scope. At first, no one knows what it is or what it is worth. It remains perhaps for a time quiescent. It tries, as it were, its limbs and proves the ground under it and feels its way. From time to time, it makes essays which fail and are in consequence abandoned. It seems in suspense which way to go. It wavers and at length strikes out in one definite direction. In time, it enters upon strange territory. Points of controversy alter their bearing. Parties rise and fall around it. Dangers and hopes appear in new relations, and old principles reappear under new forms. It changes with them in order to remain the same. In a higher world, it is otherwise. But here below, to live is to change, and to be perfect is to change often. What, you missed that last line? I'll repeat it. To live is to change, and to be perfect is to have changed often. Engaged as they are, then, in such a process of development, should we be surprised that emerging adults buck and bite at the chafing of the linear narrative of life? In his New York Times op-ed last week entitled, Why Teenagers Are Crazy, Richard Friedman of Weill Cornell Medical College notes that both the reward center of the brain and the region that processes fear are overdeveloped in adolescents and emerging adults. The result is simultaneously a tendency toward risk-taking, emotional drama, and all forms of outlandish behavior, and a surge in anxiety and fearfulness. The linear narrative of life provokes the former and reinforces the latter. The to turn is to take a few risks, and to simplify is to ameliorate fear and anxiety. When true simplicity is gained, to bow and to bend we shan't be ashamed. To turn, turn will be our delight, till by turning, turning we come round right. Elder Joseph Brackett may have known something about emerging adulthood. Christian Smith claims to know something about emerging adulthood. He and his colleagues who wrote Lost in Transition, The Dark Side of Emerging Adulthood, are deeply concerned by the moral relativism, acceptance of the socioeconomic status quo, routine intoxication, ambiguity about sexual relationships, and political apathy they find among emerging adults. It is notable that the standard against which Smith and his colleagues are measuring emerging adults is precisely the linear narrative of life. Given that emerging adulthood is actually a time of emergence and development, however, it seems that a substantial proportion of the beliefs and behaviors they find so concerning should be expected in people who have overdeveloped reward and fear processing centers resulting in anxiety, fearfulness, risk-taking, emotional drama, and all forms of outlandish behavior, all of which are provoked and reinforced by the linear narrative Smith and friends are measuring them against. Maybe rather than bemoaning the reality of emerging adulthood, we should place some hope in what emerging adults have to teach us. After all, anxiety, fearfulness, risk-taking, and emotional drama, under the right conditions, can emerge into something quite fruitful, that being doubt. The first thing that emerging adults are likely to doubt is themselves. Of course, many measure themselves against the linear narrative that no one could possibly actually achieve anyway, and that is wildly inappropriate to begin with. So how could they do anything but doubt themselves? Many emerging adults doubt the value, efficacy, and viability of political and civic institutions. But then don't we all? Congress has an approval rating of 7%, for goodness sake. Religious leaders are no better all too often continuing to exclude women, demean people of color, and excoriate lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender persons. Emerging adults may not yet have a coherent moral framework, but they sure do know what they consider immoral. 
Small wonder, then, that so many emerging adults look out on the sociopolitical landscape and despair, resigning themselves to what little happiness they can find in their little corner. Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe, said Thomas. Thomas was clearly an emerging adult. He had every reason to doubt. Jesus had been crucified, died, and was buried. After touching Jesus' hands and his side, Thomas said, My Lord and my God. He experienced what was possible. It may yet be that emerged adults will manage to show emerging adults what is possible today, but I find myself siding with the emerging adults and doubting any such expectation. Rather, emerging adults are left in the position of those who would come after Thomas, of those of us who would come after Jesus ascended. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet still dream and enact new realities. To doubt, to develop, to emerge, to turn. There is good news regarding emerging adulthood here, if we are willing to listen for it. Measured against the standard of a linear narrative of life, doubt, development, emergence, and turning will never measure up. The unit of measure is inappropriate. The appropriate unit of measure is not a line, but a dance. Step, roll, clap. Turn. Dance then wherever you may be. I am the Lord of the dance, said he, and I'll lead you all. Wherever you may be, and I'll lead you all in the dance, said he. Both the hymn that opened our service and the hymn we are about to sing depict the meaning and significance of Jesus' life as a dance. Jesus was born and laid in a manger. He developed and was baptized by the Holy Spirit and the voice of God. Jesus was tempted, doubted, and overcame to return to the dance. He emerged as a prophet, a healer, a savior, beyond any and all ability to predict. Jesus turned to hell and returned to heaven. Jesus was an emerging adult. In Jesus is the hope of resurrection. Jesus leads us in the dance of life and into the general dance of eternity. And I'll lead you all wherever you may be, and I'll lead you all in the dance, said he. Amen.
please be seated. The peace of God be always with you. We greet you all and warmly welcome you to Marsh Chapel this Sunday, a space of peace in the chaos of a city and a sanctuary that you are always welcome to in your periods of wandering. We hope that you find a home here and feel that wherever you are on your spiritual journey, this is a good place for you to continue your walk. We would love to get to know you better and to help you get to know one another better, and a great way of doing that is by putting your name and contact information in the red books towards the center of your pew. So please pass those along and fill them out. Directly following the service today will be refreshments downstairs. It's a great time for fellowship and coffee. You all are welcome to please join us. Next Sunday, we will be continuing our summer preacher series, The Gospel and Emerging Adulthood, with our guest preacher, Dr. Eckel Nix of Furman University. We hope that you all can join us in the chapel or via the radio for this wonderful sermon. And additionally, our annual summer barbecue will be held next Sunday, July 13th, after the morning worship service. Please join us and contact the chapel office if you would like to help by bringing a dish to pass. All are welcome to partake of the Eucharist this morning. Grape juice will be offered on the lectern side and wine on the pulpit side. Additionally, if after taking communion you are moved to prayer for healing, please join members of the Marsh Chapel healing team under the windows in the front of the chapel for anointment and prayer. There's also gluten-free bread for all of those who need. For other events and information, please visit the Marsh Chapel website at bu.edu chapel, where there's also an opportunity for online giving. Now, as the choir lifts us up in song and we beckon our ushers forward, let us be reminded that it is a joy and a grace to give. As the ushers pass the plates around, please won't you find yourself being as generous as you are able.
thanks, O God, this day for life and work and peace. Now bless these gifts and those who have given them to the work of ministry in this place and around the world. Amen. We run the race set before us, surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Therefore, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely, bringing them to Jesus in penitence and faith. Jesus, in your love, you invite us to be your friends. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Jesus, in your joy, you choose us to go out and bear fruit. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Jesus, in your power, you send us to be your faithful witnesses. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and bring you to everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. We are fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, through Christ who came and preached peace to those who were far off, and those who were near. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Let us share with one another a sign of peace. Wise and gracious God, keep us united in the apostles' teaching and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and the prayers. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give God thanks and praise. You are worthy of our thanks and praise, Lord God of truth. For by the breath of your mouth you speak your word, and all things have being. You fashion us in your image, and place us in the garden of your delight. Though we cho choose the path of rebellion, you do not abandon your own. Again and again you draw us into your covenant of grace, giving us the law and teaching us by your prophets to look for your reign of justice, mercy, and peace. And now we give you thanks because Jesus sends forth apostles and evangelists, to preach the gospel to all nations and to teach the way of truth. As we watch for the signs of your kingdom on earth, we echo the song of the angels in heaven, evermore praising you and singing. Most holy God, enthroned in splendor and light, in the coming of Christ you reveal the power of your love, made perfect in our human weakness. Amen. We marvel in your revelation. Embracing our humanity, Jesus shows us the way of salvation. Loving us to the end, he gave himself to death for us. Dying for his own, he sets us free from the bonds of sin, that we might rise in glory. Amen. We are set free in love. On the night Jesus gave himself up for us all, he took bread and gave you thanks. He broke it and gave it to the disciples, saying, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup and gave you thanks. He gave it to the disciples, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. Amen. 
Therefore, we proclaim the death that Jesus suffered on the cross. We celebrate the resurrection, Christ bursting forth from the tomb. We rejoice that he reigns at your right hand on high, and we long for his coming in glory. Amen. Come, Savior Jesus. As we recall the one perfect sacrifice of our redemption, by your Holy Spirit, let these gifts of your creation be to us the body and blood of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Form us into the likeness of Christ and make us a perfect offering in your sight. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit. Look with favor on your people and in your mercy hear the cry of our hearts. Bless the earth, heal the sick, let the oppressed go free, and fill your church with power from on high. Amen. Have mercy on us. Gather your people from the ends of the earth to feast with Thomas and all your saints at the table in your realm, where the new creation is brought to perfection in Jesus Christ. By whom and with whom and in whom, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory are yours, almighty God, now and forever. Amen. Boldly we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. We break this bread to share in the body of Christ. Though we are many, we are one body, because we all share in one bread. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Blessed are those who are called to his supper. Lord, I am not worthy to receive you, but only say the word, and I shall be healed. Come, for all things are now ready.
Let us pray. Holy God, source of truth and love, keep us faithful to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, united in prayer and the breaking of bread, and one in joy and simplicity of heart. In Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. sun shall warm and bright on you, your darkest night a star shine through, your dullest morn a radiance brew, and when dusk comes, God's hand to you. The blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit abide and remain with you, now and always. Amen.